Hey, what is up? Hello, and welcome in to another edition of Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast right here on SB Nation, talking Tampa Bay Buccaneers with you every single week. I am the Downey half of this dynamic duo. I am Trey Downey, and with me every single week is the one and only, the true playoff in Lombardi Lenny, Lynn Martez. What's up, man? That is so that is so not right. First off, never been in the playoffs except for fantasy. And I don't I don't have a Lombardi, I've never touched it, never put my fingerprints on one. So yeah, untrue, dude. Untrue. But but if things work out well this year with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who knows? Maybe hang out a so far this year and uh get my hands on that uh trophy. Or I catch a pass from That's what Tom I was Brady say. when he throws when he throws it across a boat. Who knows? We shall you'll be see. A, you'll be on the boat parade uh, this uh, this coming year. And, and you know what? If he throws me that Lombardi and I catch it, we will hug it out a whole lot longer than him and Bill Belichick did on Sunday night. They just wanted to do their they just wanted to do their hugging in uh, in private in the locker room, but we'll get to that in in just a second. Uh, social reminder to start the show: remember follow Lynn on Twitter at Elmar eight ten, follow myself on Twitter at TD Experience, and follow Bucks Nation at Bucks underscore Nation, and check out BucksNation.com for all of the latest and greatest on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And then wherever you're listening to this, whether it be Spotify. Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever, do us a favor and click that subscribe button. It helps us out and it helps you out because the podcast will be uploaded to your phone or to your preferred listening device uh, on your on whichever app you want to, uh, and you won't have to do anything. You'll get that notification, so you'll get that nice surprise when a new edition of Downey and Martez is ready for your listening pleasure. Lynn already mentioned that hug that took place at the end of a rainy Sunday night in Foxborough, Massachusetts, Gillette Stadium. And man, that game looked a lot different than either of us expected. Lynn Martez, I think both of us said that if we thought the path to a Patriots victory, uh, it would be a kind of, you know, rock'em, sock'em robots, lower scoring game, and a masterful Belichick game plan and it was kind of that but also especially early I do think that the moment got to Tom Brady a little bit in his play and I think that the weather got to him uh you don't really see Tom Brady overthrowing and missing guys high and you saw a lot of that early and say what you will the Bucks walked away with a win a win is a win and we saw this multiple times last year especially early in the season before things fully gelled and they're lucky to get one but at the same time this was the Patriots Super Bowl this season so maybe we should have expected a little bit of a closer game than uh than we did going into going into last Sunday night a couple of things and yeah TB12 had a lot of things on his mind had, had enough distractions and as Head coach Bruce Arian said after the game, and even Tom alluded to, it's like, you know, boom, it's over with. Because it's not a regular work, work week for a football team. I mean, teams 
teams are, and not just players, but coaches, they're all creatures of habits, man. I mean, everything is, everything is, is, is structured and, and there's an itinerary for what you do every week. And yeah, the, the opponents change, but for the most part, how you prepare and how you get ready for it is pretty much the same. And with that, last week was not anything uh, habitual about it because it's the first time it's ever happened to Tom Brady where he had to go back and play in a place where he played for 20 years and won six Super Bowls. So I understand the fact that, yeah, and maybe we thought too much of, maybe not too much of Tom, but just in general of a person, for any person, like a human being, to be in that situation and to have the nerves that he had. And he, and he was certainly high on, on some throws early on. And folks that say, and I heard this on you know Twitter timeline, like, how can he be nervous? He's won Super Bowls. He's been in Super Bowls. It's not the Completely same thing. different situation, yeah. It's not the same thing. Totally different, okay? Totally different. Here he is, he's going up, and as he, as he mentioned it, going up against people that were his family for 20 plus years. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh, oh, he gets, I didn't get nervous now. He's been in so many Super Bowls. It ain't the same, idiots. That's number one. Number two is <laughs> I'm done when it comes to um, predicting blowouts when everyone else said it's going to be a blowout too. Case in point, Dallas, week one, Thursday night football. Everybody thought that Cowboys were going to get blown out. And you know what? Everybody bet that way too. They bet on the Bucs. And you know who covered that night? The Dallas Cowboys. And everybody bet Sunday night on the Bucs again. Other than Mike Tirico. Heavy favorites. Heavy favorites on the road. I'm talking about Vegas, man. I ain't talking about. Oh, gotcha. I, I ain't gotcha. talking about. Tariko I gotcha. Who, 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 you know, all of a sudden felt, you know, found a squirrel. Uh, you know, blind squirrel found a nut. I ain't talking about him. <laughs> I'm not talking about him. I'm, I'm not about counting him. Rodney Harrison. I'm too, talking about, yeah, he because that's, that's his team. Yeah. Talking in terms of Vegas. Both those games, Dallas game, New England game, 90 plus percent of the money came in on the favorites being the Bucks. It happened Sunday night. And sure enough, I thought Dallas blow up Sunday night. I thought Bucks Patriots blow up, right? Do you know what the line closed at? I want to say six and a half or seven. Yeah, which which isn't which isn't which isn't even huge. You think like with that's not even a blowout, but that is a big line in the NFL, especially on the road though, to road team because because you got to think three points at home, like automatically. Correct. So you think the Bucks probably nine and a half. If at, they were at home. At Ray at home. J. Correct. Yeah, yep, exactly. But the point is, is that, <laughs> and, I, and I say it all the time, but just like the years I doubted the Patriots and bet against them, you know, mm-hmm. all the years you spent, you know, other than maybe the Eagles and the Giants Super Bowls, the other years, you, you, I'm not talking about Andy Reid's Eagles. I'm talking about, uh, the Eagles Nick Foles led by Nick Foles. And, yeah. yeah. So whether it was the Atlanta Super Bowl, the Rams Super Bowl, you bet against Patriots and you ended up being a loser. You know who I don't bet against anymore? Vegas. Because when you, and I don't mean just you, Trey Downey, but you, the listener, 
You people. <laughs> when you want to bet all, all your money, when you, when you and others who bet are 90 plus percent betting on the same team, I'm not falling for it anymore. I'm done with it. Vegas keeps building buildings classier, bigger, more. I mean, real estate's going on. They're about to have like they're about to have like four different arenas. They're building Madison Square Garden's building an arena in Vegas, and they've already got T-Mobile. Again, there's a reason why they're able to do it. And Sunday night was exactly one of those examples. All right, let's talk about. I guess there's not a ton to talk about on on the offensive side because I don't think there's nothing that super concerned me or impressed me on the offensive side of the ball unless you want to get into okay okay I'll, I'll give it I'll give you that I but I I'll give you a chance to explain I saw something that a lot of people were talking about how much Brady missed Gronkowski I don't necessarily buy a ton in into that because if you go back to the majority of last season there wasn't much for Gronk in the in the passing game and I think it was more the nerves and the wet weather that caught that caused that. And I'm not even going to go as far as to say, Oh, Ronald Jones is back after scoring a touchdown. Um, to me, it was just, yeah, I, I said, I'm not going to go there. Um, but you went there. Me, I said he scored a touchdown, which he did. Uh, but um, oh. did anything, what over Mike Evans continues to get a ton of targets uh, anything overly, impressive or yeah. concerning to you no impressive and and here's the thing you brought up the running backs and i'll be the first guy to tell you because i covered bruce i've been covering bruce since his first day here and it's always been the running line hot hand hot hand hot hand when it came to the running backs well sunday night leonard fournette got 20 carries mm-hmm. the real playoff lenny Got 20 carries. He also had three catches. That's 23 touches for a running back in a, in a team that, for the most part, their first three games, wasn't running it a whole lot. And to me, I think Mr. Fournette is separating himself from the field when it comes to the running backs on his football team. I think, a lot, of the reason, I think a lot of the reason why he got that many touches is also due to the fact that Giovanni Bernard was out. Granted, I, yep, no, yeah. there's no doubt. He was more of a third down back because Gio was out. But the bottom line is he got 20 carries, dude. Yeah. And don't forget last week, I joked and, and mocked you when, when you were like, oh, this is the type of game where you might see Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette, you know, go off and get a bunch of carries. And I'm paraphrasing. I don't remember the exact thing you said. But I laughed at you. I was like, you think Tom Brady is going back to Gillette to hand the ball off to the running backs. But ironically, aside from Ronald Jones, he handed it off to Leonard Fournette 20 times. You may think in terms of the weather, or you may think in terms of what the Patriots were allowing the Bucs to do, meaning the Bucs were like, you know what? You want to drop eight? Okay, fine. We'll just run the football. And they did it. And they did it well. I mean, here's the thing about running as it is. You know, and... You heard uh, Joe Staley say this. The Chargers head coach said it this week. Brandon Staley. Brandon Staley. My fault. I said Joe Staley. Brandon Staley. The head coach of the Chargers said it this week. 
And I'll, again, I'll paraphrase, make it short, short as possible. The point is, when it comes to the running game, Staley was alluding to the fact that there's a mindset. It's not so much how many yards you get. It's the mindset of making the defense play a play as opposed to their defensive line not doing anything but running straight ahead. When, they run, when you run the football, you have to make the defensive line be active and tackle and actually want to move as opposed to just come straight ahead, drop back 50 times. I mean, it, it's pretty simple. Man, there, haven't been a whole lot, there aren't a whole lot of football teams that were so one-dimensional and won Super Bowls. Running game or no running game and just a passing game and win a Super Bowl, you're not going to do it. I mean, and if you're a football fan, yes, there have been plenty of times where you hear balance, 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 balance. And for the most part, what do we do? We look at the numbers. Oh, my God, 30 carries. 60 yards, 30 carries, 75 yards. It's not about that. It's about making that other team play defense on those running plays. That's what's huge. And if the Bucks are able to do this more often, they'll be that much, that much more dangerous. And that's the thing that I like from Sunday night. Well, and they were obviously able to do it in the, in the playoffs that, last year. That's why the playoff Lenny and Lombardi Lenny nickname exists but they got away from it the first three games that's the thing oh for sure yeah and both and that has to do with a lot of factors you know down against down early against the Rams so you're obviously gonna gonna throw the football and especially in the first two games Fournette and Jones were both struggling so you're not gonna go back to a well that's not working but yes it got go it got going this weekend and I if the Bucks are going to have another deep playoff run they're going to have to do that, especially if you are in a situation where you're playing the Rams again or you're playing a team like Arizona that you want to keep that offense or even the Packers. You want to keep that offense off the field as much as absolutely possible. And you do that by running the football. And it also opens up the play action game even more. And we know how good Tom Brady is in the play action passing game. And to be truly effective, you have to have a threat of running the football for the play, as, play action game to truly work. Let's move over to the defensive side of the ball. Because of injuries, Richard Sherman was forced into the starting lineup just days after getting here to Tampa Bay. And, it, and he said that he didn't think he was going to play. He didn't think he was ready to play. And the Patriots and Mac Jones and Josh McDaniels and that game plan targeted whoever Sherman was on a little bit early. But I think that that's the most you can really ask for out of a guy in, in that situation. Uh, I mean, the Patriots scored 17 points. Sherman had moments where he didn't, where, like I said, where guys that he was on got, got the ball. But coming into a situation like that, I thought Sherman performed uh, admirably. And then the other guy I, I, I want to spotlight on defense is uh, Joe Tryon Troinka, who is continuing to develop into a, a really solid NFL uh, outside linebacker. 
Yeah, I can't disagree with, with either one. I, I will say this much. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Chiyanka got uh he got a sack courtesy of big old number 50, because big old number 50 swallowed up two blockers. For sure. Joe Just Tryon. ridiculous. Chiyanka with but that stunt, stunt. Okay, that stunt completely worked. We're not that, even gonna block I you. Mean, Just that, go right in. My my old buck could have got out, out there and got Matt Jones. And that one here's the thing, too, is the defensive line realized it, and it's the reality when you when you when you play against certain quarterbacks, get there, and he'll be there. <laughs> and uh, you know, you heard Joey Bosa talk about the Chargers defensive end Joey Bosa talk about Derek Carr, the Vegas quarterback, and about how they could sense that as soon as you hit him a few times. It's all it's all of a sudden where he's not trying to get hit anymore, and John you Gruden watch didn't like that. Well, no, you watch enough. You watch enough NFL, and you'll see guys sit in the pocket and take that hit, and they'll hold on to the football to deliver the pass to wait for the guys to get open. I mean, watch and pick a pick a game on Sunday. You'll see it throughout different quarterbacks that do it, and that's just a mindset, man. So I mean, when it comes to when it comes to Derek Carr, and I know this is the Bucks game, but homeboy, you got to sit in that pocket and take that lick. But my point is the fact that the Bucks defense knew if they got there, he would be there, and that's Mac Jones. But uh, yeah, I was impressed with with, with uh, how Charles Bianca played, but I was impressed with not only just the sacks, but just his activity. I mean, yes. he he was. How much did we talk about JPP missing the game? Like, you, you don't talk about that anymore. And granted, you definitely want JPP out there because he's one of the defensive leaders. Mm-hmm. And he makes your rotation longer. But it's not like if nine had to start and play like he, you know, like he did last week, that you're sweating, sweating it out as opposed to other positions, i.e. The, the defensive backfield where you're missing yep. three starters. Um, but along those lines, I mean, Sherman held up his own. I didn't notice a lot, though. And I said this to you last week. It's like, there wasn't a whole lot of man-to-man. No. And granted, it'll change because he'll have his, he'll, you know, for lack of a better term, he'll get his sea legs under him. Because um, he did say you know, he missed one snap, and man, he was, his legs were like jello. And I get it because he was the first one to tell you, I need a full week before I can play. There was no plans for him to play. But with the injuries, he had to. And kudos to him for stepping up the way he did. And he had a fumble all cover. But, I think he played all but two uh, of the defensive One or two snaps. snaps, yeah. yeah. Uh, had a fumble recovery. He was active. And, uh, and again. That was, in, that was in Bucks territory, too. So that was a big, that was a big play in the, ga- in the game. As this season goes upon longer, you'll realize that, I mean, you can talk about him getting up there in age and everything. But that's not what he's about anyway. He's about knowing pre-snap stuff, what the quarterback's thinking, what the wide receiver's thinking, and being there when it all pans out. So let's talk about that situation in the secondary because the biggest news to come out of this game, the injury to Carlton Davis. That was the one injury other than I put it on Twitter, that's the one injury other than Tom Brady that this team could not afford at this stage of the season. On uh, special teams. 
with yes yes i don't, I don't know why he was especially in the situation that they're in with uh, I, I mean you're not going to put sherman on special teams but with jamel dean sean murphy bunting already out it's just it's it's kind of mind-boggling to me um and bruce arian said this week that he still thinks it'll be several weeks before they get uh either one both, both carlton davis and sean murphy bunting mm-hmm. back uh i haven't checked the injury report yet but uh do we know if it's looking like Jamel Dean is gonna is gonna suit up this weekend against Miami yet? We'll I find out. It's, I mean, it's Thursday, Thursday yeah. practice. So um, usually the injury report for Thursday comes out a little bit later than than uh, where we are this afternoon. But he's limited. He was limited yesterday, and I wouldn't be surprised if he's limited today. You'd expect, especially in a situation where a guy is kind of a almost a game time decision the week prior, you kind of expect them to suit up the the week after. But being still limited, you don't you don't know. No, and it's not. You know, there's there's certain positions where if you don't get a full practice in during that week, you can get away with it on Sunday cornerback and a guy that relies on his legs that ain't that's not the place and granted they play the Miami Dolphins on Sunday and the Miami Dolphins don't have a clue as far as uh their schemes concerned with all the talent they have on the outside heck if that's the case you know what give Jamel Dean another week off because we can get away with <laughs> I, that's what I, I understand. I understand that Winfield's also part of this thing too, because of yeah. the concussion protocol. But uh, listen, that's what I w- the only way the, the only way I'm concerned with the Miami Dolphins coming into Ray J and having a good day passing the football is if 13 Disco Dan Marino comes out of that locker room. And he ain't coming out of that locker room. You can name all the other quarterbacks that have played quarterback for the Miami Dolphins since then, from the Jay Fiedlers to the A.J. Fiedlers to the Ray Lucases of the world to the Ryan Tannehills. You can go on and on and on and on and on. Chad Pennington, whoever it is. None of those guys scare me. Dante Culpepper. Dante, none of them. None of them scare, none of them scare me. You know who scares me? Still, 13, Dan Marino. That would scare me more than any of those quarterbacks that have played for Miami Dolphins that are on the current roster as it is, too. I'd rather, I'd be more scared. If I were a Bucks fan, I'd be more scared of Dan Marino coming out with the old number 13 as opposed to Jacob Brissett playing quarterback on Sunday. I was going to bring up the fact that the Bucks play the Dolphins this weekend in terms of their secondary struggles and the fact that they face the Philadelphia Eagles coming up on Thursday night football, and then they play the Chicago bears. Now these injuries are not ideal and they're going to, and there's no way that the bucks beat some of the top teams in the NFC with a cornerback trio of D Delaney, Pierre Desir and Richard Sherman, Pierre Desir and Richard Sherman aren't the Pierre Desir and Richard Sherman of three, four years ago. So they obviously have to get healthy but if there's at any point in the season for them to kind of be without these guys, this is kind of that three-week stretch. I do think that the Eagles could possibly take advantage of it. And I'm with you on the gym. 
Mel Dean thing, especially since the Bucks turn around and play on Thursday night next week to where if he is banged up, give him Sunday off because I think that he is more, uh, is more needed going into that Thursday night game with the Eagles who have not had a ton of success this season, but with the young receivers they have, uh, I think that out of the next three games, that's the team that the Bucks could, you know, be faced with the most challenges in the, in the passing game. Cause I don't know where they go from here with, you know, possibly bringing in another corner because the Stefan Gilmore thing did, did not work out after the Bucks divisional rival uh, Carolina Panthers traded for him uh, before he, the Patriots could release him earlier this week. You can bring up the Eagles and not to get too far ahead of, of, of things, but for that game in itself, my concern is not Jalen Hurts' arm. It's his ability to extend plays. That's the big thing. It's about keeping him in the, keeping him in the pocket and eventually getting to him so that you alleviate some of the pressure off the secondary, no matter who's back there that Thursday night game. That's the thing. I mean, when it comes to, when it comes to the Eagles, I mean, Jalen Hurts is an adequate passer. It's the reason why he had to transfer from Alabama to Oklahoma and, and God bless him for being able to extend his college career the way he did. But throwing the football is not really how I'm scared. I'm scared about, him buying extra time against a secondary that's banged up. That's yeah. what would scare me. Do you think that the Bucks? I mean, I don't, I don't know what else is, is out there unless they were to search the, the trade market for another defensive back at this point, especially, I mean, the Gilmore thing kind of looked like for a second there that it, you know, fell in the Buccaneers lap, but then Carolina uh, swoops in, because I don't necessarily know that Carolina liked their chances if Gilmore were to have hit the open market. So they trade for him. And now he's going to have to sit out a few weeks longer than if they were, uh, than if he were able to, to sign with the team, I believe uh, week six is when he can, uh, can return at this point because he was, because he was traded. But I do think that that is, that that is a big deal. They trade for a corner from, from Jacksonville, a good young cornerback after their uh, rookie J.C. Horn goes down with an injury. Yes, they still have uh, still have struggles with Christian McCaffrey and him and him being injured. But and they lost this past weekend to the Dallas Cowboys. But it seems to me, especially with this trade trading for Gilmore, it seems that Carolina is kind of going all in on their hopes of being a, being a playoff contender in 2021. Yeah. I mean, as far as the Panthers are concerned, I may have to, at some point, as we get later into the season, may have to rethink the point of this team, meaning the Panthers, not making the playoffs. Cause I said, you know, you have them potentially winning nine or 10 games. And I'm like, they better get them early. And they have, although they lost to Dallas on Sunday and became one of those undefeated teams that, that took a loss on Sunday. But what no one could have anticipated, or maybe somebody did, I don't know. I know I didn't anticipate the fact that they would go out and get basically two starting cornerbacks wow. in just over a, a week's time. And that transforms your defense. I mean, we can talk about Gilmore having, having to wait until – Week six, you're talking about the 2019 defensive player of the year, dude. 
So that's the type of guy that's going to, where's your number one guy? Okay, I got him. That's Stephon Gilmore. And you can brag about the weapons that the Bucks have, and I certainly will. But when you start talking about, okay, Gilmore's got one guy. Okay, uh, Anderson's got another guy. I mean, they're taking away the ability for an offense to find mismatches. And that's huge. That's huge because before they made those deals, after Horn got hurt, there were guys who were number one cornerbacks on that football Mm -hmm. team. Well, you get Henderson, you get Gilmore, and guess what those guys are now? Their third cornerbacks, their fourth cornerbacks, they're playing in the slot. And all of a sudden, when you play teams that have four or five weapons, they can match up to you a whole lot better, which is why I have to rethink whether or not the Panthers can make playoffs. <laughs> Beyond the fact that, and, and I give you credit because you said it, but you didn't know that they were going to get the two, two quarterbacks that did. But I will say this much. You and I both thought that Sam Donald would, would, Sam Donald would, would change things. And uh, he has. And I'm, and I'm glad he has because Gazified, dude. He ended up playing yep. for freaking Adam Gaze and ugh, like poison. All right. So quick, quickly before we get into, you mentioned one of the undefeated teams that lost this past weekend. There is only one undefeated left. You predicted that. It's I did say that, team. didn't I? Yeah, it's just the, uh, it's the just team. it's yeah, it's just the wrong team. But before we get into that, let's <laughs> let's talk let's talk just let's talk just a little bit more about Bucks and Dolphins coming up this Sunday at at Raymond James Stadium. I don't think that there's a ton more to talk about. I think you and you already addressed it. Tua Tagovailoa obviously not playing. It's going to be Jacoby Brissett under center for Miami. They do have talent on the outside, but their coaching staff seems. Clueless. Not interested at all. Clueless, as far offensively. As, Clueless. As far, as far as pushing the ball down the football field. And unless, and, and unless they try to do that and Jacoby Brissett, you know, goes back and has one of his, one of his games that he had, great games he had in Indy or even in New England in, in backup order, you said you're done predicting blowouts, but maybe it's not going to be a blowout. But I, I can't – for last week I – foresaw a scenario to where the Patriots could keep the game close and possibly pull the upset because of the emotions of the game and playing Belichick, I would be complete. Like, I think if, if you're in a survivor pool this weekend where you just, where you just have to win it in advance, I think the most of the picks this weekend would be on the bucks over the dolphins with a backup quarterback and a situation where, you know, Bucks have a banged up secondary, but the Dolphins can't throw. I, I, I just can't. I don't see a scenario where, where the Dolphins pull off an upset over the Bucks. I, okay, I can't see it. Let's correct something. I said I would not predict any more blowouts when everyone else thinks it's going to be a blowout. That's what I said. <laughs> in regards to the, fact I think that, everyone thinks this one might be a blowout. Uh, well, I, well, I'll wait until the money comes in from Vegas to find out how okay. much is on the Bucks in regards to giving the points and the Bucks being the favorite. And if it's 90, and if it's 90 plus, guess what? That's fool's gold, man. Don't be, don't, don't buy into it. I'm telling you right now, I am telling you. And when I say you, I don't mean Trey Downey. 
I mean you. You listen, people. <laughs> you listening to this podcast. If you hear that 90% of the money Vegas is put on the bucks, don't, don't follow. Do not follow. Trust me on this. Already lost twice that way. All right? Cowboys game. Patriots game. Vegas are fools. When you bet 90% of a team, you know what they're not doing? Paying out on Monday. Not happening. So let's, do you foresee a, a, a scenario? Like how does Miami keep this competitive on Sunday? I told you, put 13 back in the uniform. Okay. <laughs> I, to, I told you there. I told you, you know there what? T- 13 would know what to do with Jalen Luano as opposed to throwing swing passes and screen passes behind the line of scrimmage. Dude, they ran a freaking wide receiver screen from their own end zone and created a safety yeah. in a game they lost in overtime. Tell me they got a clue. As far as running the offense, not a clue. Flo- not is a Brian clue. Flores going to get fired, man, just because of no. Nope, but he's going to have to. No, nope, but he's going to have to get rid of those freaking those uh right hand man, right hand men that he have that he has running his offense and defense because neither neither one is very good right now. And the scary yeah, thing he- about it is, as much as they have quarterback issues and, and they're playing with a backup in J- Jacoby Brissett. And two wasn't exactly lighting the, the world on fire. One, he was playing this year. Dude, that team, the team is not very good. You know, you can look at the Steelers and say, damn, Ben Roethlisberger, he's on his last leg. But you know what they still got? A pretty good defense. Yeah. They got a decent defense, and they got players, and they got playmakers on defense. The Miami Dolphins, they can't tell you that, dude. Again, Big whip, big whip. Oh, we're going to win 10 games. Oh, 11 games. We're going to battle the Bills. Blah, blah, blah. Their team looks horrible. And I don't they've care. Got to get a, they've got to get a progressive offensive mind in there. I don't, I don't know who Use that, the who that, you have who that there, mind dude. is. Yeah. Devontae I don't Parker. Know who, I know Fuller just got hurt. And another guy, he, I mean, he gets hurt. Like, we change our drawers, man. I mean, yeah. he – I mean – when you hear there's going to be active, you're like, oh, wow. As opposed to when a guy gets hurt, you're like, oh, man. When Fuller's active, you're surprised. When he's not, <laughs> when he's playing, wow, oh, wow. So we got Will Fuller playing today. Yeah, we do. We got him playing today. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like Parker's concerned, Waddle, they have zero running game. They got a decent uh, catching tight end in Gusecki. I mean, they don't use these guys. They got shut out at home against I think, Buffalo. I think you I think you learned all you needed to know about Brian Flores and his coaching staff decisions when he brought back Chan Gailey to be his offensive coordinator uh, there. I just I I just I I don't get it. All these so now, coaches around the league where they've got young quarterbacks and they're successful with. Say what you want about the Bengals, right? But Zach Taylor's doing a heck of a job getting the know? most out of Joe Burrow. And you know what they do with the football? They use their wide receivers and they throw the football down the field. They got three of them and they get it to them. Look at Darnold now with Joe Brady. I mean, this it's, it's, it's I mean that's my point. Go I mean, up and look at Kingsbury, look Kingsbury and Kyler Murray. Go up and down the up and down the league, man. It's you gotta bring when you have 
a young quarterback at this. I think we're going to see it more and more where I think we'll get to a point where there are very few defensive minded, I guess, head coaches in the NFL, even though you're seeing a situation out in uh, LA right now with chargers who I was surprised that they brought in a defensive mind and Brandon Staley, but that coaching staff is working well with their young quarterback and Justin Herbert. So May, but I think especially if you're in a situation where you have a young quarterback that you want to be the future of your franchise, you have to bring in a progressive offensive minded coach, whether whether that is your offensive coordinator or your head coach to simply make that happen. And that is just not the case whatsoever in Miami. And Flores is going to have to do that or his seat is going to be one of the ones that gets hot rather quickly in the NFL. Now already, let's pivot. It's, it's already hot. Yeah. One, it's already hot. Number two is, and, and I'll continue to beat them up when it when it comes to the Miami Dolphins because again, you know this is this is the same thing every year when it comes to, oh they finally got the pieces they need. Oh, they, you know extra draft picks. All that crap doesn't matter, man. When when you're not successful in those picks, a number two is, trade. They have zero identity when it comes to that football team they can't run it or throw it you run 60 offensive plays you better be able to do something they can't no, do, with you they can't do any in a league that scores the way this league scores with a dynamic quarterback play that we have and and you can't you can't get the most out of the plays that you have it, i don't blame Jacoby Brissett. i don't even blame Tua anymore I blame the freaking at the top, dude. Whether it be Brian Flores and, and as you mentioned, Chan Gailey, they've got two, they've got two coaches that game plan for them. You know what that means? You got two too many because they both suck. I'm with you. I don't think I can elaborate any further on what you just said. Let's talk about the rest of the NFL. Uh, we'll get into the games that we're watching this weekend, but let's talk about last weekend and the fact that there is only one defeated, one undefeated team left, and it is the Arizona Cardinals. And that game wasn't particularly close against the Los Angeles Rams. That was a big statement win for Arizona early in the season. But if you look at a lot of these power rankings and things that come out around the around the league from different sources you're not seeing Arizona listed as number one in those power rankings yet I'll phrase it to you this way Lynn Martez after week four in the NFL is the only undefeated team it are the Arizona Cardinals the best team in the NFL right now or is it one of your Buffalo is it your Cleveland who suffered surprising uh, week one losses or is it is it the Chargers who played phenomenally on uh on Monday night against against another undefeated team in the Raiders. I think that it is very it's very hard at this point in the season to say who the best team in the league is right now. It may be, but if you, you know, hold my feet to the fire and ask me to pick a team, I wouldn't pick the Cardinals. And maybe it's, you know, regional bias when it comes to being where we are, where we're located. But heck, I don't even think they're the best team out in the West Coast. You mentioned a team that I probably think is better than them. Um, that's just a, you know, a state away from them in California. And that being the Chargers. I mean, offensively, I watched them Monday night. They are scary, dude. Yeah. I mean, we talked about them last week when it comes to the two wide receivers they have 
and they've got a, they've got a, a guy in Eckler that they're finally giving the football to, and they're getting him. Got to keep him healthy and getting. No, you're absolutely correct. But they're getting him his carries, and just like just like uh, Brandon Saley mentioned in regards to the running game, he's using the running game to take the pressure off his quarterback. And Justin Herbert, by the way, another guy that that again is 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 just tearing up the league. dynamically showing you what you could do when you have a decent playbook. And it's not like he has more weapons than Miami has, but he's using them better, but that's beyond the point. When it comes to Arizona, I, I'm not buying yet. I'm not as as the number one team in the NFL, just not yet. And I mean, I did expect them to lose on Sunday against the Rams impressed that they won the way they won. And they took down. They're getting the, the running game going, man. No, James Connors having they, a good they season, are. and that's and he's having a decent year of touchdowns. He's still averaging three three yards a carry, three point two yards a carry. Don't get crazy. But the, here's the thing: I can't, I, I can't, I can't knock them for getting three yards a carry when I stand here, or I sit here, and I tell you, you got to run the football no matter what. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they're doing it. They're committed to running football. That's the thing. And the commitment is to having the running backs run the football as opposed to Kyler Murray. You can't have that guy be the focus for 60 plays. It just can't happen. And they were doing that last year, and that's how he got hurt. I mean, you can't have him be the, the, your best running back and your passer. Just, it's just not going to be successful, especially when he's smaller than you and I. The dude's 5'9", yeah. man. Yeah. That's a, I, I, think I, lean Arizona, I think I lean Arizona right now. But I do. I am very. I am very impressed with the Chargers, and then those other two teams that I mentioned, Buffalo. They had a surprising Week One loss to the Steelers, who have lost three straight since then, and Buffalo's won three straight. And then I think you've got to mention Cleveland too, who were who are very close to being undefeated. They brought it to uh, Kansas City for the majority of that game before Mahomes pulled a comeback in the fourth quarter. So I think you have to consider Cleveland and talking about the best team in the league right now. It's just, it's hard to, it's hard for me to say, like, I can't still say the Rams because they lost to the Cardinals and not say the way that they did and not say the Cardinals. So it's just a, it's a, it's a very intriguing thing right now, as far as to say who the best team in the league is. And I think you have to say that Arizona is the, is the best team in the NFC just because of what they did to the Rams a week after what the Rams did to uh to the bucks now this isn't to say that in in a one game scenario if right now i would pick arizona to beat tampa bay with the injuries to the secondary if the bucks were playing the cardinals this weekend i'd probably pick arizona to beat the bucks but in a playoff situation that's when arizona is truly going to have to prove it with still having a young quarterback Uh, you can you can be sold on Cardinals being the best team in the NFC, but Cleveland's not the best team in the AFC. I already told you about the Chargers, and the Chargers aren't even the best team in the AFC. You know the best team in the AFC? The Buffalo Bills. I and mentioned it, Buffalo, man. No, you mentioned them. And you, you, you Buffalo speak, was the three team. You speak, I said the other two you have you to speed consider. bumped over them, dude. You gave them a little, you gave them a little cracker feed. Oh, because that's the, one, that's the one that's not surprising to me. I picked Buffalo to go to the Super Bowl, they're man. The be, I mean, they're probably the best team in the, in the NFL right now. And I'll give you, and I'll give you a couple of reasons why. One is quarterback play. Josh Allen's playing beyond his mind. We talked about, you know, young quarterbacks getting with getting with the right offensive coordinator, and Brian Dable's doing it 
in Buffalo. But beyond that, dude, they've played four games. They got two shutouts. In the age of 2021 in the NFL, mm-hmm. they have two shutouts <laughs> in four games. Okay. I asked you earlier about an identity for a team, the Miami Dolphins. Buffalo has like four of them, <laughs> and yeah. they were all good. Identity, quarterback play, Josh Allen, identity, Stephon Diggs, top wide receiver, identity, defense, the front line, stopping the run, and the secondary. I mean, I can go on and on. And I don't even I like there's nothing I like about Buffalo. I mean, you can keep all the snow, maybe the wings. But for, for them, for anyone else to be considered the best team in the AFC right now, anyone else to say, say whomever it is, crazy. Well, 2020, 2021, dude, they played four games. They haven't even let you score in two of those games. I mean, you can't lose. <laughs> you can't lose. So let's let's pivot on to now week five and how we always in the show talking about the other games that we're interested in this weekend. And we're going to learn a lot about the AFC this weekend because that Buffalo Bills team travels to Kansas City mm-hmm. to put to play the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Now, the Chiefs can't stop anyone, mm-hmm. but I'm still interested to see how mm-hmm. the Buff how the Bills defense mm-hmm. looks against uh, looks against the Chiefs offense. Oh, that's- and then the, well, and then the other two I just mentioned. this. Okay. The, the other two teams that we mentioned, the Browns heading to L.A. to SoFi to play the Chargers. It is a big weekend in the AFC. And honestly, those might be the final four teams left standing uh, on divisional playoff weekend in, in the AFC. If the Chiefs are lucky enough to get that far. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm not kidding. I, and, and, and listen, I, I'm enamored with what they can do offensively. But for them to reach wherever they're going to reach in 2021, unless there's some drastic change, they're going to simply have to outscore you. And there have been times this year where they've shown you that turnovers are are becoming a bigger factor than they have been in the past with that football team. I mean, granted, they might be running a little bit better with with Clyde Edwards-Alaire than they did earlier in the season. But you're relying on your offense a whole lot. And not only that, though, Trey, you know, I, I, I dog their defense. You know the biggest problem with their defense is? It's the offense scores as quickly as it does. That's a yeah. problem, dude. If you're no, consistently you. losing time of possession and you can't – time of possession and you can't get off the football field. It's one thing to have your offense score quickly. And you get the football for 25 minutes and you give it up for 35 minutes. It's another thing when your opponent has it for 35 minutes and you can't get off the football field. I said it before, I'll say it again. They can't stop running water, dude. And because of it, they're going to have to outscore teams if they make the final four like you mentioned. When it comes to the other three teams, the Chargers, Cleveland, and Buffalo, I'm all in. Because they're balanced. Those are balanced football teams. Definitely in on Buffalo. And don't be surprised. I mean, everybody's like, oh, Kansas City, they'll find their way, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They're going to have a losing record after this weekend. As tough as it is to play in Arrowhead, Buffalo is going to go up there and win that football game. 
The other intriguing game to me this weekend is one of the other surprising teams in the NFL, and that's the Cincinnati Bengals. Yes, they haven't faced the toughest competition, but Zach Taylor has Joe Burrow rolling. They're three and one. They lead that division, uh, the AFC North, and they've got Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers coming to town who have also won three straight games since that debacle in Jacksonville against the Saints in week one. So You're going to bet against Aaron Rodgers? No. Thank you. No. Okay. Just, I, I'm not – Short conversation. It's in Cincinnati, so it's an intriguing game. Yeah. I think to, – to, to me, I, I'm most intrigued this weekend by, uh, by Cleveland and the Chargers. I want to see if the, the Chargers keep things, keep things going, and I want to see what Cleveland does going on the road uh, to L.A. That's the, that's the game I'm, I'm most interested in uh, this weekend. That's, that's, I mean, th- this podcast is to talk about the Bucks, but Bucks and Dolphins – I mean, the Bucks are ten point. The Bucks are a ten point favorite. Another, there are a couple of shocking lines to me. Minnesota's only one and three, and they're nine point favorites. The Patriots on the road in Houston are nine point favorites. There's some, there's some weird lines. Watch, watch what, watch what Lynn, uh, Lynn told you to watch out for this weekend as far as far as money coming in. But there are some, some that you can take advantage of this weekend. Are you going to trust? two one and three teams to cover almost 10 points and one of them on the road. I don't know about that. And especially a one in new England who might have a, who might have a hangover game after the emotions of this, of this past weekend and a Houston team who has had, obviously they're not that great, but they've had 10 games to or 10 days to get ready. So some weird lines to watch out for next week. Uh, Lynn and I are going to have to get together as far as, uh, when exactly we're going to record the podcast, we might bring it to you one day early, or we might do what we did after uh, after week one when the Bucks played on Thursday night and bring you a recap on Friday. We'll have to exactly figure out how we're going to do that, but we will be back with you next week to talk Bucks and Eagles and all of the other happenings in the NFL. Follow him on Twitter at Elmar810. Follow me on Twitter at TD Experience. Follow Bucks Nation on Twitter at Bucks underscore Nation and check out BucksNation.com for the latest and greatest on your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This has been Downey and Martez, a Bucks Nation podcast.